0: you are going to love this episode. My guest today worked as a professional dominatrix. She practiced Taoist alchemy in one of the oldest female-led monasteries in China and obtained dozens of certifications in different disciplines. She is the co-founder and CEO of the Academy, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. Kasha Urbaniak has taught hundreds of women practical tools to step into leadership positions in their relationships, families, workplace, and the wider community. Her forthcoming book, Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power, will be released in March 2021, and Knowing Kasha promises to be a worthwhile read. Kasha will be announcing a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for slow-mo listeners today to attend her incredibly valuable training, The Good Girl Reform School, which is normally charged at $750 absolutely free. This training will take place on November 24th, just a few days after we release this episode. So stay tuned till the end of the episode to find out more. Good morning. Good morning. Hi.
1: Thank you so much for being generous with your time.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think I will do you justice if I introduce you myself. You're professional dominatrix. It seems you were so good at it that you became a dominatrix coach. So you were teaching, what did you call them? Baby doms? Uh, you yeah. don't, right? Uh, you're teaching them how to actually understand what it's about. Then you go to a women-led monastery in China, the biggest actually in the world. Oh, now that's interesting. That's like a real contradiction, and you really get to study alchemy, Taoism to a very deep level. You're a fantastic speaker. You're about to publish a book. You have this academy that you found yourself, you're very successful, you teach women how to claim their power. This is not a usual mix. You don't come across a person that gets those contradictions together. And when I hear you talk, sometimes I feel you angry, almost like a feminist, and sometimes I feel you zen, almost like a monk. (laughs) It's really quite interesting for me. So tell me the story. How do you end up getting, introduce you to my audience? Tell them, how did you become you?
1: Right now, beginning. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The biggest questions are sometimes the most difficult to answer.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally.
1: I mean, in the most simplest sense, from a very young age, like I think many of the humans walking this planet right now, I was born into a world where things didn't make sense to me. And so I found myself being a seeker at a really early age. I think many people right now are seekers. And I became fascinated with spirituality, with the occult, with every religion in the world, with Christianity, with Sufism and Islam, and Taoism was one of the most beautiful things that could speak to my young mind in a simple way that also blew apart a lot of already forming assumptions and expectations. And I was really fascinated by the book Dune, where there's a secret society of women that are intergalactic. It's a science fiction book written in the 60s. And in it, the Bene Gesserit is a secret society that's altering the course of humanity kind of behind the scenes. And so I decided that I wanted to be a real life human Bene Gesserit. And for me, what that meant was looking at every single skill they have in the book and every single practice and seeing if I could find the closest counterpart on earth So I wanted to study with all the world's greatest masters. But in our world, for an 18-year-old girl to get to do that, that involves money. (laughs) Travel. Simple. (laughs) Yeah. In the simplest sense, I started working as a professional dominatrix in New York City because that was the thing that was available to me in order to make money in short periods of time, be able to pay for my college education, be able to pay for plane tickets, for spiritual retreats, and to go to study with Taoist masters. And it was really quite unexpected what happened, because by the time I was working as a dominatrix, really, and using all that other, the ample time left over and the money left over to travel to mountaintops, literally, to study with masters, this wild synthesis, this friction was created energy. Like here in the most extreme version of spirituality and here in the most extreme and hidden form of human sexuality, I'm barely an adult. And those things started to cross-pollinate very, very quickly. So first I was faking it. I learned the script I rented a video of a woman doing a session with a submissive, and I memorized everything she said, and I went into my first session, nervous like you wouldn't believe. And the practices that I was studying involved a lot of being able to, for example, in the medical, right? The the beautiful thing about Taoism is that it touches on the body, the heart, the mind. It teaches medical healing, martial arts. It's the birth of Chinese medicine. So I was already learning how to look at a body and see the subtlest signs of illness or aggression. And um, the more I used the practices I was learning in my sessions, the more my sessions started transforming to something that I didn't expect. It's one thing to walk into a room and be like, on your knees, you've been very, very bad. But it's another to start looking at this human. And basically, from this fantastical invented imaginary position you know i'm 19 maybe he's 55 twice my age many times my income bracket and experience and going i'm the boss so how do i play the boss turned out that i could shout and stomp and be cruel all i wanted to but if i really wanted to have that feeling that he's held in the the yoke of my attention held owned right
0: held Would have to come back to this statement of held, but go on.
1: Because the obvious language would be owned, claimed, controlled, right?
0: Yes, right.
1: But if you're attempting to have an influence on someone and you hold them too tightly, AKA control, what happens is they start to change, diminish, shrink, and what's available starts to diminish, change, and shrink. Meaning what's available in them, what's available for the session to be fueled. I'm just thinking about having the best time possible and what i notice is that if i use that Taoist nun in training attention to fully fully see them and speak it out loud really simple example instead of saying you've been a bad boy while looking at my tiara or the ceiling versus looking at them and saying you came here you are here now you are on your knees lift up your chin Ooh, I see a little bit of rebellion in your chin. Then their body tells me immediately, if I'm paying attention, was it rebellion or was it something else? Actually, that wasn't rebellion, was it? It was something else. Body responds with an easy yes. You're sad today. You're carrying grief. Deep sigh. Wow. And the next question, what have you done? What have you done? Now I can say, have you been a bad boy? Some body contracts. No, that's not it. That's not it. It's just grief. Grief. Next yes. did somebody hurt you today? Dominatrix language, were you too weak? Did you let it get through? Sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of. All right, baby boy, now I'm pretending to be mama. Let's see what's really happening, baby boy. Pet the head, all of a sudden, tears, tears, tears. Boom, there we are. Now this one human and me, the other human, are located in the same emotional vibration and tone. There's some grief, maybe it's about mama, maybe it's not, but there's some grief, the man is crying. Now what do I do? Now the session is starting to get built, with imagination, around grief. And how do we move grief? What's the next step? Show me how you can cry. Oh, you're faking it now. Fake it harder, can you fake it harder? Let's put you over there on the bondage bed. Let's wrap you up. Let's swaddle you like a little baby. All of a sudden, I'm doing what's called an infantilism session, seeing how far that goes. Aren't you sexy when you're crying? All of a sudden, the mood shifts. The mood totally shifts. Ah, there's the rebellion. Now I see how bad you are. You're furious, aren't you? You're furious. Now we start creating the landscape of what's a story where when grief released – exposes rage and injustice? Or what's a story when grief gets exposed? What comes out from underneath is guilt. Does this person need punishment? And suddenly, neither of us are having a deep psychological conversation about what is happening, what has happened. What are the causes of this? Was it a bad day? Is it indigestion? Did did his uh, wife threaten to break up with him? Is he feeling guilty about being married and being here, for example? Which is also something I love to play with in these situations. And this began to expand to a point where my sessions were very, very much like all of a sudden I'm Wonder Woman and all of a sudden he's the evil villain who is sneaky but really wanted just to get my attention. And whatever the narrative that needs to evolve gets to evolve out of a space of fundamental connectedness. Now, when I started... Training baby dominatrixes. I'd already been doing sessions for two years, so I didn't know if I was doing what everyone else was doing or what was what this thing is, right? I never speak for the BDSM community because I don't, frankly, know if I'm doing it, doing the thing they do, or if I understand (laughs) understand it. So I never want to offend, you know, that group of humans who are exploring a very important part of the human psyche and condition. But the first thing I noticed is that these generally young girls coming in just doing this for money, not out of love, not out of like a natural dominant, like I was in a natural dominatrix, would do the same thing over and over. They'd walk into a room and they'd start performing power without even acknowledging the human in the room. And this metaphor has stuck with me for the rest of my life. They would say, you have been so bad. What am I going to do with you? And they're trying to be powerful the thing that's missing is all of their attention is only on themselves. So whatever rockets they're launching towards the other human or subtle arrows of poking, they're all arbitrary and random. And if anything lands, if anything moves the other human being. So the amazing part is how hard it was to demonstrate and show them the difference between saying the same sentence inside and saying the same sentence and having it land. And as I went back and forth between training And being a dominatrix in teaching, the whole world of this started opening up the world of the power dynamic. What does it mean to completely hold another in your attention and powerfully lead them from where they are to where you want them to go? Even in the context of making a brilliant argument, one that touches someone's heart, body and mind and moves them to see a completely different perspective, which these days with the political conditions and the chaos on the planet, it's like our abilities to communicate. Have suddenly downgraded all the way down to basic noise. We're just Torture. basic. Here's a preformed set of thoughts I am throwing at your house, hoping that it pollutes your house. People throwing these schema bombs at each other, wondering why nobody understands anything. Sure, you can blame fake news, but this problem existed before we didn't have a consensus reality. So this is just the origin, kind of the origin of how these things started forming in my life. But what happened as a result of that is this whole attention-based power and influence and the working through a woman's conditioning, because those girls, those 19, 20-year-olds who were like, I need this job, mostly,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: especially at that time, I need this job for money, I don't know how to do this. The obstacles they had to being able to actually look at this man actually look at this man and speak directly to his experience speak directly to his listening not about him not around him not about the performance not about what they were doing but what they were experiencing and watching moment by moment that was the first time I saw what we call good girl conditioning once I saw it there I saw it everywhere once I saw it everywhere I could not stop my life purpose was defined in a single moment I started seeing it with my mother. I started seeing it with my friends. I started seeing that these qualities are not, not small communication hindrances. They can devastate the actual outcome and designing and creation of a woman's life and all of the relationships in it.
0: We want to spend a lot of time on this, but it is so refreshing for me to hear you talk about a dominant, submissive relationship as a deep, deep connection that's actually needed by both sides, right? Yes. But it's also almost shocking to me that, I mean, I don't know if this is your nature or if it's something that you learned, because in all honesty, it seemed from the image that BDSM has, that this is more nature than actually a skill. And you're saying you can actually get into that role and literally help someone out by being dominant?
1: Here's where I want to be really specific and careful because, again, what dominant people and submissive people do when they do their thing and get connected, I mean, I know from hearing from people who do these things, the most intense kind of intimacy and seeing can bloom inside of that context. But what I got interested in is what aspects apply to regular human beings. The most Beautiful conversations. Okay, so the first is attention plays the greatest role in establishing a power dynamic and whether a power dynamic is connected or disconnected. There are people who are listening to this who are going, power dynamics are games played by uh, manipulative people who oh, want to get there. Not at all. Power dynamics exist the way that animals organize themselves, humans do too, and they get organized and reorganized. Power dynamics exist all the time. And the structure of attention is what decides how the power dynamic goes. So the simplest example, even in this interview, right, we are dominant and submissive in a beautiful, beautiful conversation, meaning the two parties are incredibly connected. The most beautiful conversations are the kinds that keep you up until dawn, where you feel closer, you maybe just met this person, maybe not, maybe you just stumbled into a whole new arena of who they are. What's happening is quite subtle, but every single time, this is what's happening. One person in the dominant state of attention is speaking.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And in speaking, they're leading the other person's attention. So they're in authority, right? In a very subtle form, but they're in authority. They're putting out words for other people to be led into having thoughts and feelings about. I'm speaking. And who I'm speaking to, I am watching or feeling to see What's landing? What's not landing? Are they smiling? Did they sigh?
0: It's all landing, Kasha. It's all landing here.
1: (laughs) So in one of those beautiful synergetic conversations, what happens is all of a sudden, one of the things that lands sparks something up. And the person who was speaking sees that sign and all of a sudden becomes receptive. And as the other person's speaking, they're allowing themselves in a submissive state to be led until they're no longer led, right? Until they're dropped or until something loses them, or until something sparks. So the dynamic switch switches. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the person speaking has their attention out. That was listening. And people switch roles. They switch, 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 switch. When you have that experience that two people are connected throughout an entire interaction and switching who's on top and who's on bottom, what you have is the experience of the quality.
0: Oh, my God. I love what you just said. Now, that is an amazing definition. I hosted actually one of my favorite authors, Dr. Robert Glover, who talks to men, which rarely ever happens about self-love, about really connecting to what you need and so on and so forth. But in his view, he was basically saying it's typical of the masculine to be a doer and it's typical of the feminine to be a receiver. And in a way, it was almost like a cast in stone kind of expectation, which you know, I think is reinforced by the general view of things, if you want. me, Generally, as per our conditioning, we end up in that place. But what you're saying is that it's actually constantly dynamic. It's constantly creating that connection by me being drawn into you as a submissive to your cues, to your conversation, to your direction, and you're going into it. And then you stop or we get to a place and then we turn around and maybe I lead you somewhere else. And that is the kind of connection that keeps flipping between us.
1: Yes, exactly. And what I heard from you just informs what I want to say next. And what you hear from me might inform the question that you want to ask next. The idea of equality is, if you really think about all humans created equal or equal, the mind goes to this static heavenly realm. The Equality as it manifests on this planet is dynamic, it's not static, it's not I'm exactly as you and you are exactly, it's our differences and how we move attention back and forth to explore those differences and be connected through them that creates this sense of equality. The conversation that the masculine, and in some cases that means the men, are designed to adore.
0: Not at all. As a matter of fact... Both me and Robert, we agree that the masculine is not men, that you would play a very masculine role when you're leading a conversation. Like a masculine, if you want, is a character. You know, Empathy is obviously a feminine quality. So many men have empathy, but when they have it, they're in their feminine role, if you want. Men and women, gender roles, you know, sexual preferences, I think we've mixed that up with the true quality of what feminine and masculine is. Both are qualities, both are needed, both are different, both are polarised each of us can assume every one of them. I think that's, you know, it's not men and women.
1: I want to speak about uh, why in my school I don't use masculine and feminine as in language, as a way to characterize those two tendencies in terms of behavior and attention. But first, I want to say, even in any sense, if the masculine is defined as wanting to adore and the feminine is defined as wanting to receive, we have a problem. Mayday, Mayday, we have a problem. <laughs> and for any man listening right now, have you ever, 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 ever wanted to make a woman happy? Ever wanted to adore her and make her happy? All the time. And I wish the hands raised. I wish, I guess, because this is the part where the women in, in my class would be watching the men and would start crying. And some of them would be like, oh, I don't believe you. What we have right now, the standoff. In terms of men and women, is so many men wanting to make women happy, to adore them, not knowing how? Men feeling dumb about it, while women are silent and angry. They're getting more silent about what makes them. I am not going to give him the satisfaction. Hell no! More silent, more angry. So we have men getting dumber, dumber, women getting angry, (laughs) or wonderful situation. Totally. But being able to see two humans and not even getting too analytical about, is this person a masculine dominant person, feminine? Are they being masculine? But in the moment, in the moment, what you have just overriding that, this opportunity for two human beings to explore their masculine agency, authority and offering of wisdom and the receiving, the hearing, the feeling of the signals. So the submissive state of attention also requires a connection to your own feelings, your own feeling sense, and what's going on, even if it's for three seconds during a conversation and the dominant state requires being able to have the empathy to while leading knowing yes. if your leadership is working and now here we have a world where we, we talk about power you have a lot of leadership going on these you know management guides that are finally discovering that you actually have to see that those that you lead <laughs> you have to mm-hmm. see what's going on in them like whoa light bulbs like obviously <laughs> Do you any- woman who has a connected relationship knows that you have to check in to see, even with a child, you go go get dressed, you have to go see if they understood what that meant. It's basic communication one-on-one. Okay, so now I want to talk about what gets in the way. What gets in the way? Because we're talking about how this metaphor of the conversation could rework communication, and this is a separate track of thought, but a very, very necessary one. This very simple model for communication could rework how human beings resolve great problems, how human beings reach peace without conformity, Mm -hmm. how they engage in conflict without violence. Because we have an immense amount of emotional and psychic violence. And that's very, very worth talking about. But before that, I want to mention that both men and women have a series of outdated conditioning that is so pervasive, so everywhere, it's almost like water to a fish. Women are starting to be able to locate a couple things that get in the way. And it's always first like, they're doing this. They're doing this. Okay, we have to feel the whole landscape of what's going on. So fine, they're talking over me. He's he-peating, right? He's mansplaining. He's being toxically masculine. Okay, we look at what's happening. We try to look at what's happening in the most loving neutral sense in order to uncover most of what's hidden so i can speak about what's hidden for most women good girl conditioning if you think about it in america in 1974 in connecticut a woman still had to get her husband's signature in order to get a credit card yeah so just to bring forth What we're talking about is extremely recent like women are free women are free women are free women are equal okay five minutes ago in the scale of human history there's been a move towards women going from being property to getting to own property and it's recent and we have to have compassion with ourselves and be really present to this is new this is new so for thousands of years if you had a really ambitious woman who really wanted to do something extraordinary and unusual with her life. Her best, best chance was to marry well. Wow. Now think about the qualities.
0: It's true, actually, when you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind me saying, even today, sadly, we, I think the situation improved, but it's not fixed in reality. One of the easier ways for a woman to have a good life is to marry well, because to be independent is a pain. It's like an absolute lonely journey against a system that's not designed for her. My work on the topic is I compare it to American Ninja Warriors. It's like no woman is ever going to win American Ninja Warriors. It's designed for the man's Fitness, it's designed for the man's body. So we're putting women out there, telling them to be independent and telling them to be successful, but we're just putting them in a horribly different, wrong game. It's not the game that they're supposed to be able to win. So still today, sadly, often it is easier for a woman to say, I will be independent, but I will still marry well. I mean, it's compromised.
1: Yeah, and there's so much I can say about that because, you know, that American Ninja Warrior game, I think a lot of men are coming to realize that they don't want to be playing that game either.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: They may have been conditioned to be good at it. And when I think about the
0: conditioning of the male and where the, the totally. toxic... you're so spot on. I want to cry for how wounded... Of course. Can you imagine when we start to teach ourselves that success and achievement is to actually do this? It's like, seriously, in, in a world where we have so many problems being, you know, muscles and jumping over obstacles. Is that what being a hero is all about? What happened to the true figure of a hero? I think that's a really interesting uh, question. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about good girl conditioning. So because of this wanting to marry well, are you saying women then have to be a good girl, a marriable product?
1: Here's the thing. At this point, a woman doesn't even have to think, I want to marry well. She doesn't even have to have that in her mind because what she got from the heir, from her mother, from her grandmother, from all of the cues that, that are still present, regardless of what we say we're doing, are all moving towards the ideal feminine, the ideal feminine in quotes, th- that is defined by being a good candidate for marriage. So, and I'm talking about good candidate for marriage a hundred years ago. So that kind of, those qualities, right? Being accommodating, extremely accommodating, being extremely resor- resourceful. If, if picking a wife, oh, she can make dresses out of curtains and then compost them. <laughs> so resourceful. She, she doesn't ask for anything. She just takes what is and makes, creates the most value out of it. Creates harmony in the home, mm-hmm. right? Everything is about making sure that everyone else is okay. That makes for a great wife. It makes for a great, especially a hundred years ago. So she never falls behind, but she never outpaces or outshines anyone either. She's modest in temperament. Wow. Modest in sexuality. Her sexuality doesn't exist within her only when the sleeping beauty, she's in a coma, she's in a sex coma, has to be kissed by and awakened by the right sanction partner, creating the illusion that, that her erotic life begins from the outside. So she's there, modest in temperament, responds to everyone in a timely fashion. They see the good girl conditioning of being like, ah, right away, autoresponder, crisis. The way it manifests in modern life, a woman can spend 80% of her day without even knowing it, responding, 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 and doing things she wouldn't consciously choose to do. So it can be like the soft cushioning of making something easy for someone without telling them. It can be something like an automatic yes before you had a chance to actually consider it. Good girl doesn't ruffle feathers. She doesn't hold anyone accountable. She doesn't speak truth to power. She definitely has no desires of her own. So she definitely doesn't go out and go, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. Everybody fall in line. No way. Also, she is quite quiet. Speaks when spoken to. Now, Good girl conditioning has a sneaky, 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 sneaky big sister. And that's the independent woman. Not every independent woman is the independent woman I'm talking about, but this phenomenon is so common. It's worth mentioning. I'm no good girl. I go out and get what I want. So long as she does it all by herself. So long as she doesn't trouble anyone, right? She's the hyper-competent, Super productive. She's mastered the masculine as we know it. She's mastered all of it. She does everything. She is everyone, does not complain, is never helpless, but finds herself not only alone, but when surrounded by people, surrounded by people who need her and not people who feed her. She doesn't receive. She can't receive, wow. right? She can't receive because we're, we are in this mode of believing the John Wayne myth, the lone ranger, the self made man hello, this self-made man does not exist. And men have a lot of invisible support structures that help them.
0: Yeah, that is the point. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so much easier. It's so much easier for me to succeed. By the way, because of my wonderful ex-wife who dedicated her life for us, right? If she didn't, if she didn't, I would be nowhere. I wouldn't be able to carry the kids. I wouldn't be able to even reflect at night and and ask about what happened during the day. And the world was built for me to succeed. That yes. actually is the problem. Fix that, and you fix the world. So what we really need is a woman that is able to do both: be independent when she wants to, be a good girl if she wants to, and in the middle of all of it, be supported and carried like she carries us, right? Is that what we're looking for?
1: That's what we're looking for. To explore the landscape of that, though, some of the patterns and some of the more nuanced details of how this happens have to be mentioned because we live our lives, you know, when somebody says, oh, I just need to stand in my power, I just need to use my voice. That's kind of in the cultural atmosphere. And then when women don't, they turn on themselves. But nobody ever actually says, this is how you get to a place where you feel like you can use your voice. It's not waiting for the whole world to change and asking you, this is how I get to a place where I can use my voice. This is how I get to a place where I can stand in my power. Those words mean nothing unless there's a roadmap for how to get there or understanding what that means, how one day we can't and how one day we can, why we freeze, what to do when we freeze. What do you mean freeze? Oh, if you put a woman on the spot and ask her a question and intensify the attention on her and ask her another question, she will probably answer the question, explain or completely shut down and freeze. So even the structure of a lot of accidental sexual harassment, I'm saying accidental because sometimes a man will say something to a woman with no ill intention, but the effect will be that she feels incredibly diminished, harassed and like silent. She doesn't feel like she has the power to say no. She doesn't feel like she wants to say yes. She's in this state where, A thousand thoughts are spinning around in her mind, and all she wants to do is end this situation. Okay, um, and can't speak. So I'm going to talk about that in a second. How that happens, because how these things work, and how to reclaim address it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So there is a moment where it's important to be respectful to our ancestors. You know, these patterns that have been in place for all this time—they got created by the people who came before us. For good reasons. They were responding to their times in the ways they knew best. The one aspect of that is that, up until even very recently, if not now, if a woman, for example, is wearing a short skirt and she gets attacked, she's likely to be blamed for it. it definitely was the case for a lot of human history. So, mothers would be like, Watch yourself. Your skirt's too short. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Not like, Don't go there. Far more than you would police a boy. Of course. So, over time, Women have learned to internalize that self policing. Am I too much? Am I too little? Am I making the right move? To address that first, a loving respect, turning around and looking at all those that came before us and saying, Thank you. This was given in love. I am now reweaving the fabric with respect and honor to what came before. So, what, what is now makes sense now. Mm-hmm. That self-policing quality is something that comes across as lack of confidence, but isn't lack of self-confidence or lack of love at all. It's an attention habits can be changed. So just quickly, if you look at how a boy and a girl are treated, generally, right? Mm -hmm. Generally, things are changing, but generally, we have Billy, we have Mary. When does Billy... Get his dose of attention, positive or negative, attention, attention. Getting attention is the most important thing a kid can do. It's how they belong in the tribe. They know they'll survive. If they're invisible, that's when they feel like they're worthless and about to die. Their survival depends upon being in and getting attention is how they know they're in. So Billy, there'll be a tendency that Billy gets a hit of attention when he does something. Look what Billy did. Billy scored a goal. Billy got into a fight. (laughs) Billy built a fort. (laughs) So, the moment you give Billy the attention he needs to know that he exists in the tribe, his attention is out on what he did. His attention's out on the impact he had. So, there's an association with attention out equals success. Attention out equals belonging. For Mary, look how lovely Mary is. Look yeah. at how lovely her demeanor is. Look at is. how
0: cute she looks. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, or is Mary getting chubby, positive or negative? That dose of attention is still a sign of belonging. So the tendency will be, in the most extreme situations, Billy will default under duress, to having his attention out, whether it's in a state of blame or pointing to something he did right, or pointing to how someone's argument is wrong. Mary, on the other hand, first, very quickly, it can be so subtle. Defaults like, "What did I do? What did I say? How was I being? And if you look at how we even talk about celebrities and politicians, it goes on and
0: on. Yeah, Hillary Clinton. Hillary yes. Clinton was, was blamed for she is aggressive or she is this or she is that.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And never mind the incredible accomplishments, whether you exactly. like her or
0: not. Can't argue with the record. Not exactly. With- yeah, it was, is she likable or not? That was yes. actually the question. Not what she did. It was if she was likable or not. That's so eye-opening.
1: And the men, even celebrities, rulers, politicians, oh, that, that guy's kind of an ass, but boy, can he get sh- done, right? Yeah. Even if he hasn't gotten that much done.
0: But uh, There you go.
1: The doing and the being are radically separated. We are looking at how women are being and how, what men are doing.
0: But Kasha, that blows my mind. Are you saying here, if there is science behind this, it would blow my mind and even more, and I think we should put science behind it. Are you saying if we change the way we condition boys and girls so that it's balanced in terms of being and doing, we would end up with generations that are balanced in being and doing, that girls actually are not inherently genetically, biologically biased to be more in inward-focused?
1: Well, here's the beautiful part. Anybody at any age can learn both states of attention.
0: Correct. Anybody. Correct. Right.
1: Because of that, we can take care of ourselves before we take care of our children. And in terms of women, the fix is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's how we practice using our attention in conversation when we lead and when we follow.
0: Okay. I want to hear that.
1: I mentioned the crisis example of women freezing. I've done this and we have, as a school, conducted this experiment hundreds of times, hundreds of times. It's a very, very, very simple one. How do men respond? How do women respond when they are asked an uncomfortable question? Men, when an uncomfortable question, meaning attention's put on them in an uncomfortable way, their attention immediately goes out and they question the questioner, they question the legitimacy of the question, they go, why do you want to know? Oh, isn't that a funny question? Immediate deflection, immediate attention back. They put their attention out. We're just talking about an isolated moment in time that's rather small, but happens thousands and thousands of times over the course of life. What happens to a woman is she's asked an uncomfortable question. She goes in to find the answer, and she gets stuck there because the default state of attention for women is inward. Let me show you this. Class of 600 women, and I've done this so many times, I tell them, I tell them all. I'm about to ask you a really uncomfortable, inappropriate question. I'm going to pick on a couple of you, and I'm going to ask you a really uncomfortable, totally inappropriate question. Are you ready? Yes, we're ready. Okay, your job is to not answer the question, but instead put your attention on me and ask me a question. Question my question, question my outfit, question anything, just in this first level of practice. I ask the first woman, do you like to give blowjobs? She gets the mic. Depends on who, and the whole class laughs. Whoa, yeah, and she's like, Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, next question. Next inappropriate total. Did being beautiful help you get your job? Well, I don't know that I'm beautiful.
0: Wow,
1: and then she catches herself and goes, Oh, 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 uh, Kasha, uh, where did you get your shoes? Okay, ding, 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 we're getting somewhere. Third woman, a little clumsy. By the time I get to the fourth woman. She gets it, but she hits way too hard. I say, Do you think children compromise your career? Who the hell do you think you are asking a question like that? That is <laughs> completely inappropriate. I'm not going to answer it. And everybody goes, Woohoo! But really, that's not the aim. The aim is for the person, and they get it fifth, sixth person, but it takes five, six people witnessing each other do it. She goes, Are you taking a poll?
0: So cool. What
1: made you so curious about like hey do you want to have a threesome are you looking for new experiences that you've never had before or is this something that you normally ask people you find attractive or maybe a harder one do you think a coffee break at work is the appropriate moment for a question like this what has your head here are you not doing your work are you bored (laughs) and then we start getting these answers that are softer some are sassy. some are a little cutting some are really loving Some are really, really loving and just the right touch for the situation. (laughs) Like, are you looking for love? Are you trying to get married if they're in that realm? Like, huh, what makes you think that beauty has anything to do with it? Do you wonder about your handsomeness in your career? Then we teach the calibration, lightweight, heavyweight. But all we're doing, all we're doing is spending a moment to train a woman to not default into the inward state of attention when panicking and stay there because what happens is if she freezes,
0: everything goes wrong,
1: everything goes wrong. And what's even worse is afterwards the self-policing that she learned from her ancestresses. Yes. And she was like, I'm so stupid. Why didn't I stand up for myself? I knew the whole project needed to go in this direction. Now we're all going on the r- wrong direction. I don't know how to turn it around. I wanted that promotion or I didn't need that job or like, that's not how I met. Why can't I speak for myself? And then all of a sudden we're teaching our bodies to be even more scared, more silent, more scared, more silent, and starting to see invisible enemies everywhere. Oh, that person asks oh, yeah. me where I like to shop. Are they saying something about my clothes? Or are they trying to buy me a gift? Are they hitting on me or are they judging me, right? Instead of being like, why do you ask? Easy. Yeah, and it's those simple moments that crush us. It's those simple moments. And also what happens is in real situations where a man is behaving inappropriately, oftentimes he doesn't know it. An HR policy in the workplace or some big conversation about you shouldn't do this isn't going to help because that's not how people learn. Mo, if I tell you 20 things you need to do to come up, to behave like the perfect gentleman who is supportive of men and women's growth. If I tell you 20 things, you will forget them by the time this podcast is over. I know this because as a teacher, if I start saying things like, don't dress too feminine, don't dress too sexy, make sure you don't use upspeak, make sure that you say your sentences in the affirmative, make sure that five minutes later they'll be doing it because human beings are designed to learn socially. And what we're missing in this is like real-time feedback, real-time feedback that is also that is also characterized by real curiosity. Curiosity is one of the best ways to get through conflict and come out with gold.
0: This conversation will go on for a while. When you come back for part two, we will talk about practical tips and advice. We will talk about how women typically behave in meetings and how we can change that the resentment and distance that occurs between men and women and what triggers it and what makes it grow. We will talk about practical advice for how to empower women to help us build a world that is worthy for all of us to live in. We'll talk about the power of saying no and the conditioning of women's desires. And then we will share the link for the promo where you can attend the Good Girl Reform School for free. By ordering Kasha's new book, Unbound. I'm very grateful that you give us the time to attend such interesting and yet sometimes controversial conversations. Please find me on social media and tell me openly what you think. I am Mo underscore on Instagram, Mo.gaudat.official on Facebook, MoGaudat on LinkedIn, and MGaudat on Twitter. I know you have a million things to do in your daily life, but remember, there's always a little bit of time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening, and I'll see you next time.